If you've grown familiar, uh, you may know that if you're listening to me before uh, you're listening to the intro of the podcast, that there was a little production oopsie. And uh, this one I can't really blame on uh, technology or anything. This was this was uh, my this was my fault, Christiana's fault. Um, but albeit it's a it's a minor thing, you'll be able to hear the episode very clearly. It's just uh, me and especially uh, Daniel in this episode is a little bit echoey because uh, I forgot to do the last step of production, which is have the um have the settings of our recording software um be on the setting where it would where the uh, computer and the system with the microphones that we're recording on are connected uh so instead of hearing us on the microphones you're hearing us on the uh the computer microphones which is uh, a, a lower quality and Daniel was a little further away from the computer than I, um, because, you know, we weren't planning to record it on the computer. So he's a little more echoey. I did the best I could with editing. Um, but there might be times where his voice is a little quieter, which I know is uh, disappointing. He is the, he's the smart man on the show. So I uh, hate to see that. But, um, you know, my fault. Uh, but anyway, all right. Well, now, now that you know that, um, you know, I'm... I wanted to address it just to make sure that people didn't think we were putting out a, a super well-produced episode. But yeah, without further ado, you know, maybe you wouldn't have noticed it if if I hadn't mentioned it, but I felt like mentioning it. Without further ado, um, here is the 200, 232nd uh, edition of Above Replacement Radio. Welcome, welcome, welcome. To Above Replacement Radio, I am your host, Chris Gianta. I might be becoming a bad baseball fan who can't enjoy the romantic things because of advanced statistics. 15 years from now, I want to be on the early baseball committee. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. I literally have the Fangraphs hoodie, the baseball reference t-shirt, just repping some stats, you know what I'm saying? It's not necessarily Hall of Fame, it's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball, kind of whatever. I'm your host, Christiana, over there to my actual left, as you cannot see on YouTube, unfortunately, is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I am doing well today. Uh, we are back on campus for the the last dance, if you will. I mean, we are graduating in two months. Yeah. Uh, this is the last homestand, if you will. Um, True. Yeah. Good Good baseball pun. Yeah. But uh, that's, that's where we're at right now. We're, we're in the ninth inning. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very true. We're old. We're we're old. Yeah. Uh, we used to not be old on this show. You could um, you could show video of us uh, in freshman year when we started doing video on Periscope. And yeah, at, well, actually, Periscope. It doesn't fun. exist anymore. It doesn't exist yeah. anymore, and also Twitter took down the Periscope videos, yeah, so there's so that, no that footage is gone. There's no files. I would have had to download like a ton of stuff onto my phone, which I wasn't willing to do. No, but no, absolutely not. So you will not be getting takes on why I thought Zach Wheeler was overpaid. Yeah, um, and why I thought he was perfectly paid. <laughs> but um, you will not be getting any of those takes. But you could take videos from our freshman year and be like remember remember them this is this is this them, is them now. now and it's a picture yeah. it's a video of us in in 2023 
It's like, feel old yet? Yeah. That's 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 what's going yeah, on. We don't have any 2019 video. We're we're just gonna have to take 2020. Like we have a couple the start of the pandemic. We have a couple pictures that I think Daniel's mom took. We do. That yeah. is true. Yeah. We have one exactly one. We have one. Yeah. I think my mom took also one photo, so okay. we'll make that two. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's big. Yeah. Shout out to shout out to the freshman year podcast, the prep sheets. I know when we did our players to watch my my. We do dot points. My yep. notes were about two lines long. Yep. It was like, oh, this guy had a good uh, OPS last year. Yeah. <laughs> this guy could be good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, baseball Savant and the search tool has made things a lot yes. more fun. And, yeah, and, like, further knowledge of fan graphs and stat head. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. We've evolved. We've evolved. Um, but, yeah, uh, before we get into our final division preview well i don't know if it's weird to call it a division preview because we we kind of do predictions that we'll do we'll be doing predictions next week and we don't really necessarily outlook what the team will look like but we address their additions and subtractions and uh ask a question about them and look for one player to watch but for our final round of players to watch uh before we get to that uh there was a good amount of baseball news. First of all, the WBC is continuing. It's uh finishing up this week. Good amount of baseball news, but not any amount of good baseball news. No. No, not really. Um the first bit of news uh kind of took a lot of headlines um for, you know, obvious reasons. Edwin Diaz uh tore a yeah, tore his patellar tendon uh in his knee and uh, is Expected to miss eight months, which is the entire 2022 or 2023 baseball season. Um, it was during a celebration with Team Puerto Rico after they defeated the Dominican Republic, right? Yes. And uh, and yeah, it you know, first of all, I'm just addressing the news. Terrible for the Mets, but also you know they'll. I think they'll they'll be able to strive through it. What were your thoughts on the injury? Yeah, I mean this just sucks. There's really no other way to put it. You know, a lot of people had very reactionary takes about the WBC as a whole uh, and, and things of that nature in light of this injury. And I, I think the WBC is still the same way it was. I still view it the same way before. I think it's great. Um, but obviously a lot of people had, you know, some reactionary uh, takes to this injury. And it just sucks. Um, you know, you don't want to watch a guy like... You don't want to have to see Edwin Diaz on the sidelines for a whole season, especially when you know the money that Steve Cohen has put into this team and how much he's invested into this team winning, uh, and the guy that ensures those wins is not going to be there. Um, so that sucks. It really is is unfortunate. But uh, ultimately, um, I think the Mets will be all right, like you said. You know, they do have some bullpen depth. Um, and, yeah, we're just going to have to see how it goes. Yeah, it, it, <clears throat> yeah, it, it really sucks for the team and, and – you know, especially for Edwin Diaz, this is the last thing he wanted. Yeah. Um. You know, he didn't. He didn't go to the. He didn't participate in the WBC to get injured. Obviously, no. he uh, he went to represent. Um, you know, Puerto Rico. Uh, however, yeah, it it does suck. I mean, he had one of the best reliever seasons of all time last year. Point nine oh FIP, seventeen point one strikeouts per nine, which is a record for any season with more than sixty innings pitched. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, obviously a, a tremendous talent, um, one of the best relievers in baseball and arguably the best. Um, and uh, I guess, I guess um, I, 
I think it affects the Mets more than a normal sort of, you know, World Series contender because one thing I mentioned about why this was a good signing uh, was because, you know, the the Mets didn't really have a crazy closer behind them. I'm not saying that their bullpen is bad, but they didn't really have another stopper. Like yeah. an example I pointed to was the Brewers, when they traded Josh Hader, they had Devin Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with the with the uh, not that Craig Kimbrell was great with the Dodgers, but with the Dodgers losing Greg, Craig Kimbrell, they have Evan Phillips. Yeah, the Mets they're, they're gonna, gonna have to find their guy. Yeah, exactly. You know, they don't have their immediate. And not that there's ever replacing a guy like that when you had that kind of season, but yeah, I mean, there is certainly question marks as to what the back end of this bullpen looks like come not just the end of the season, but come May, come the All-Star break, come September. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so right now they have David Robertson, who is about to be 38, uh, as their closer, according to Fangraph's depth charts. Right, yeah, and he's he's more of a guy that has, you know, just ninth and eighth ex- experience as opposed to, mm-hmm. like, you know, he's he's not someone that's probably going to have, like, a two-ish FIP or a two-ish ERA. Like, he'll be good, he'll be serviceable, but... Um, you're going to him more in the ninth inning because he already has experience there, not necessarily because he's a crazy dominant force. Um, and they didn't sign him to be that way. Uh, but I think, you know, sometimes the, the ninth inning role probably gets a little propped up. However, you know, sometimes you just see good eighth inning guys just completely lose it in the Mm -hmm. ninth. Like the transition doesn't go well, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens there, but um, ultimately, yeah, the Mets are still obviously a division contender and a World Series contender, um, despite the loss, and they'll be able to get through it. Although, what was? Do we know the status of that Nimmo injury? I never like followed up. It's on nothing. It. Yeah, it's, it's nothing. It's really not. He'll be he'll be on the opening day roster. Yeah, that's good. Um, but anyway. Outside of the spectacle of the Mets, there was a uh, there was some backlash, albeit it was there were only really really two significant voices, and by significant I mean guys with a lot of followers, yeah, who uh, who had the take of you need you need to cancel the WBC, it's not useful, no one cares about it, and you know the he got injured doing something that no one cares about. What was what were your reactions to that? It was it's it was stupid. I mean, I think I'm in the the majority. I mean, if you saw the ratios, yeah, uh, as they say on Twitter on those tweets, it was pretty clear what the popular opinion is, and that's what I share. The WBC is awesome. I think it should be every two years, uh, or at least just better than every four years. You know, more often than that, because it obviously means a lot to people in general. Um, I think just in general, Americans are probably less inclined to care because. Yeah. In America, we have consistent access to the best baseball players from around the world. You know, we have, obviously, Team USA is in the final, uh, and we, you know, we have all those players that play here. We have the best guys on Team Puerto Rico. We have the best guys on the Dominican Republic team. We have the best player on Team Japan, which is probably the best player in the entire universe. Yeah. Like, in the U.S., we have consistent access to all of these guys that are all fighting for, you know, the one common goal of the World Series, which has been the big thing in the U.S. for... 100, 100 plus years. When you're not in the U.S. and you are sending your best guys to play somewhere else, when they all come back to play together, that means something. Yeah. I mean, I think the best example 
to look at it from, Amer from, from an American perspective would be the World Cup, right? I mean, how many people in America watch soccer or watch the World Cup when they don't watch soccer to begin with? A lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people. Um, because we don't have, because you know what? Like, Messi doesn't play in Kansas City. Yeah. <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo does not play in Colorado. Right. Like, right. We don't we don't get to see those guys that often. So when you have, you know, the people from, and not that America competed against those particular individuals, but when you're sending out your best guys to go somewhere else to, to compete against uh, the other best teams, when they have something to prove, it means something. Because the U.S. probably has the least to prove in this World Baseball Classic among all the other teams. Yeah, very true. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know if you disagree with that take or not, but I... I find it hard to believe there's another team that has less to prove than the U.S. does. Exactly, yeah. I mean, like, maybe maybe they have the most pressure, but it's all, mm -hmm. that's not what you're trying to say. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, it, it, it was fitting that it was, you know, two Americans that had that take because... Yes, because obviously. Because, yeah, it's, you know, I think America has less to prove because also, like, We've called it the national pastime, yeah. even though it's, it's... It is kind of our sport. It was invented on this soil. Yeah. It's been played on this soil for 150 years. Yeah. in Yeah, it was invented in, yeah, upstate New York. Yes. Um, in, in America. And, like, you know, we have the biggest league that has 29 of 30 major league teams in it, mm -hmm. uh, in, in the country. So yeah, it it is a very American take to say that, and yeah, I'll like I'll say yeah, I definitely care more about the MLB playoffs than I do the World Baseball Classic. I'm I'm much less likely to miss a playoff game than a WBC game. However, I'm not everybody, and I'm also American. And you know, if I were to talk to someone from Puerto Rico, they would much rather miss, uh, you know, Game Seven of the World Series than yeah. like a world a World Baseball Classic final with Puerto Rico in it. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it, and we've seen it so many times in this tournament. There was a, a video where someone asked, like, a bunch of the people on the Dominican Republic team, would you rather win a World Series or a World Baseball Classic? And a lot of them said a World Baseball Classic, yeah. uh, including Robinson Cano, who's won a World Series. Right. Which maybe, that it, maybe it's just easier to say it that way. It's like, well, I've already done this. I haven't done that. I want to do the one I haven't done. Um, but still, I mean, we've seen it with, you know, Trey Turner saying that, like, the home run that he hit was, like, the biggest moment of his career. It's a guy who's won a World Series. Yeah, right. <laughs> we had uh, Randy Arozarena, who hit like a thousand home runs in the playoffs, saying that that catch against uh, against Puerto Rico was the best moment of his career. Yeah, like this means something to not. I mean, not even just the the people from like the Latin American countries and from overseas, but it means a lot to everybody. Right. To yeah. Playing this tournament. Yeah, and it's 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 not it's not even like America doesn't care necessarily. Yeah. It's just it's I, they're they're less inclined to care. They're less inclined to care, and like. Even, yeah, w like, when you heard, when you were at, you know, at Lone Depot Park when Trey Turner, Trey Turner hit that grand slam, like, compare that crowd noise to, you know, I don't know, Nationals Park during, like, the 2019 World yeah, Series. Yeah, and not only that, or, but, like, it's a pretty neutral crowd, too. Yeah, Like, it's not right. like it's a home game for one team where one team has all the fans. It was still that loud, and there was a lot of people that probably weren't happy about that home run in that ballpark. Yeah, and, and there wasn't... <laughs> There, despite all the tweets and ratios, there is no better retaliation to that point when, like, the next day and the day after, yep. all the videos of, like, the the home runs with playoff atmosphere crowds and, like, 
players chest pumping out of the box. Yeah, like players behaving on the field in a way that they never would in the regular season or even the postseason. Like there's yeah. a home run hit, the entire team is at home plate. Yeah. Like you only see that when like a guy hits his like a milestone home run. Yep. Yep. Or like, you know, a milestone hit. Yeah. And I think And even then it doesn't have the same energy. Exactly. Exactly. And I think it's it's easy to think of this as less important because you know, I think the MLB season, it, it's more of a storyline and, mm-hmm. and there, it's easier to see that team development because it takes place over the course of seven months. And if you go to back to spring training over the course of about eight and a half, however, like, so when, when it's a two to three week tournament, um, it's not going to, it, that impact isn't going to be seen as, as effectively, but like, you know, like that, these moments are cherished forever for many of these players, including Team USA players. Yeah. I mean, it also includes the fact that, like, the World Baseball Classic is still relatively new. I think this is the fifth one that's ever been held. True. Uh, there, so there isn't a lot of history behind it. Um, and not only that, but, like, the World Baseball Classic was kind of lame up until a couple, you know, a couple tournaments ago. Like, in yeah. 2017, at the beginning of the season, it was an afterthought. It was just like, oh, yeah, that, that thing, that with the tournament, yeah, whatever yeah. that's happening. And in 2017, everyone was buying into it. I like I remember being a sophomore in high school, being like, I can't miss these games. Yes. Like I got to be watching USA versus Columbia on a Friday night. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like it wasn't. It used to not be like that. That it was only became a much more recent thing. And even even in saying that, um, even in saying that, I think it's also like, and I totally agree with you, but it's also an American sort of take because. You know, America wasn't doing well until 2017. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, I like uh, shout out to um, baseball doesn't exist on YouTube. He doesn't need any mm-hmm. any more uh, any more clout. He gets enough views, but yeah. but uh, you know, he he kind of went over the history of the WBC and showed like you know what the Tokyo Dome looked like in like 2009. Like they cared. It's just the yeah. USA wasn't good yet so it didn't have the american attention once the, once america won the wbc in 2017 mm-hmm. it attracted a lot more attention and you know obviously i think i think that adam jones robbed home run was like the huge the classic yeah huge for like usa baseball and gate garnering interest because that was just a huge moment yeah, in that I mean, game was, and in general it was a elimination game against the defending champions the dominican republic yeah uh that home run ended up being the difference because i'm pretty sure it was a 6-5 final uh yeah right yeah I remember I remember watching that game yeah um yeah and also like it was cool that Manny Machado hit it when he was yep. still in the Orioles and Adam Jones caught it right like that was a big it is, moment it is very funny seeing the interactions between teammates as opponents like I right. remember uh during the USA versus Venezuela game Kyle Tucker hit a double and uh, he there was a bang bang play at second and Jose Altuve tagged him he was called safe and Altuve was like no 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 you got to look at that he's out <laughs> it's like dude that's your teammate you're calling him out <laughs> yeah that's and it, funny. Like, it's just very funny to it it's a funny visual I guess yeah yeah for sure yeah very much so but yeah um yeah like I don't need to go over viewership statistics but there's plenty of that out there that proves that this is a very uh this is very important to a lot of different people um so yeah, like that, that whole narrative, it, it's a very much in the minority and it's for a good reason. Yeah. Um, Mike Trout's having fun. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. He's, he's playing very well. Yes. Yes. Uh, 
Yeah, it turns out, uh, turns out the 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 Angels haven't been to the playoffs in nine years. Yeah, which nobody talks about that. No. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody talks about the narrative of like, oh, you got to get Mike Trout on a playoff team. Yeah. Look, Mike Trout's playing important games, yo. Like, yeah. that's so cool. Like, why can't like the he's Angels ca- like just he's kind of made the playoffs once, but like he didn't really make the playoffs because like he only had one hit. It was a home run, but he had one hit, and they only they lost after three games. They got swept actually. Yeah. 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 So like Mike Trout hasn't really been to the playoffs, but like he actually has. But we're just gonna say that he's never been to the playoffs. So yeah. That, that one. That one didn't count. No, it yeah. didn't. They won ninety nine games. It was such a fake team. Oh, ninety eight games. <laughs> yeah. What a fake team. Yeah. Um, they're th- yeah they're like the twenty sixteen uh, Rangers. They really are. Yeah. It's an <laughs> AOS a, thing. Just a fake fake team. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was not the only injury to happen to a, a major player. Perhaps a more ma- major player was injured. However, he will be back this season. He'll be back in a couple months, uh, or three months maybe. Yeah. It, was, it, it was a broken thumb, eight to ten weeks. Jose Altuve uh, had a broken thumb. He got hit by a pitch, unfortunately. Um, what did you think about? Uh, what do you think about the implications with this one? Um, I mean, I wasn't watching the game, but I watched it back, and Daniel Bard had no business still being in the game. Mm. When it happened, Daniel Bard really was struggling. He couldn't find the plate. Uh, he ended up he ended up allowing four runs without a, a recording an out. Mm-hmm. Couldn't speak there for a second. Um, and he had, and after like twenty pitches that were nowhere near the zone, DeRosa kept him in and he drilled out to a, which yeah. ended up leaving him out. Which, like, I don't know. I wish he was out of the game earlier so that that didn't happen. Yeah. But ultimately, that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's tough, but. Obviously, that also could have happened in a spring training game. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it, not to go back to the Diaz thing, but the Diaz thing was weird because it was during a celebration, and like I, that just goes down as a non-baseball injury for me personally. Mm-hmm. It's like, a fluke. it's a fluky thing. Like I just remember, I remember like Java Chamberlain. Uh, I think had to stay out for like a few months because he injured his knee, like jumping mm-hmm. on the trampoline with his kid. I think it's like every every like couple of years you see a, an injury where like a guy punched a wall, yeah, and like broke their wrist and was out for some time or like fell downstairs or something like that. Yeah, um, like it's not. I mean, it it sucks obviously, but like it's not like it never happens and it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't the World Baseball Classic. Right. Like uh, I I looked it up. MLB.com actually has a list of strangest injuries, but yeah, uh, David uh, Robertson strained his calf. Jumping when teammate Bryce Harper hit a home run in the NL Wild Card Series. Yep, that did happen. Just yeah. Uh, James James Caprillion. James Caprillion was scratched from a start hours before game time on September 9, with a right middle finger laceration. The right-hander sustained a cut the night before when he hit a wall while extending his right arm to put on a shirt. Um, so it, this there one the, there was the Chris Sale riding a bike injury. Yes. Last year. And then there were the idiots that were like, you should not be there riding was the, a bike. Uh, yeah, there was the Devin Williams injury in 2021, like when they were celebrating the the division. Yep. When he yep. Like, punched a wall or something like that. So this goes down as one of them. Like the Edwin Diaz one just yeah. goes down as one of them. Because, you know, if I were to jump up and down, I would not be thinking my patellar tendon was just going to go out. Yeah. I don't know if you... The video wasn't clear. I don't know if he like landed on someone. and He was kind of in the middle of everyone. Yeah. So it was tough, but yeah. Yeah, like, I don't know. I know. I just know Kendris Morales tore his ACL after a walk-off home run once. Jumping on home plate. Yeah. 2010. So, like, 
I don't know. He can't predict it. It's not like he got hit with a comebacker or, you know, towards Achilles, like trying to cover first or something, or like got into a collision, for mm-hmm. instance. It was just a random random event. So I I like have that as a non baseball injury almost. And mm-hmm. the Mets are reimbursed. Not that it's a problem for Steve uh, Cohen, but he, Edwin Diaz won't get paid this year. Yeah, but anyway, I don't, I don't think I think Steve Cohen would rather pay that money and have him. Yes, exactly. Like, uh, I can't say the majority of owners feel that way. Yeah, but yeah. very true. But I yeah, the picture of Bob nodding, being like, "This guy that's at R one just got hurt. Let's go." <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, with uh, with Jose Altuve, yeah, the you know he'll be out for the Astros for a couple months. However, you know. The Astros usually find a way. Look out for David Hensley. Yeah, true. David Hensley. He's that is uh, a great point. He had over in a thousand OPS. Granted, it was like sixteen games in <laughs> uh, with with the Astros last year, but he was he's my Astros player to watch. Um, so maybe he's someone to look out for. I, did, I haven't looked at the Fangraphs uh, roster resource yet, but I don't know if we'd be there. But look out for him. But the I think the Astros will be. They'll be okay. I think they're a, still a heavy favorite in the AL West. Um, and, yeah. yeah, Altuve, he'll be back. He'll be good. They got, um, who's it, 2B? David Hensley. Hensley. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, so if you're curious about um, the new or the, the temporary starting second baseman, listen to, for the Astros, listen to the AL West uh, players to watch episode toward the end, I go over David Hensley. Yeah. Um, So watch out for that. Uh, There are also some non WBC injuries that we haven't gotten to yet, but I think we could briefly go over Jose Quintana for the Mets. Yeah. It's my player to watch. Uh, He's out for three months with a rib bone bone graft. Mm -hmm. Um, What did did you think about uh, this injury? Um, I mean, it's definitely going to test the Mets pitching depth pretty decently. It'll give David Peterson a chance. I mean, Mets True. fans have been pretty high on him for the last couple of years. So, um, you know, it's a really similar type of pitcher, a left-hander, a little more soft-throwing. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see David Peterson. That's really my only take on that one. Yeah, I think Peterson Peterson has typically had a good, like, strikeout-to-walk ratio historically, I believe, um, which is good. And, you know... It, the the Mets are in a better situation than most teams would mm-hmm. after losing a starter of that caliber. Um, David Peterson is a fine replacement. Yeah, he he threw 105 and two thirds innings pitched, uh, 10.7 strikeouts per nine last year, 3.64 FIP, 3.83 ERA, uh, 101 ERA plus. So to have that as a back end option is pretty good, and um, maybe it puts a little more pressure on like someone like Kodai Senga who yeah. doesn't have any MLB experience. Um, so who knows about that? Uh, but the Mets, you know, they they set themselves up in a situation where they can lose a guy for three months and mm-hmm. they'll be all right. Um, and then uh, we could briefly talk about Carlos Rodon. He's, um, he had a forearm strain or something. Yeah. Uh, it takes him out until at least May, I think. Not a great start to the contract. Not a great start, but also I think the Yankees are playing it safe here because if they put him on the opening day roster, you know, with his injury history, they are risking much more than a month yes. for, for him going on the shelf. Um, 
you know, if you're a Yankee fan, you'd rather lose Rodon for a month than play him and take the real risk of losing him for more than a month, maybe even the year. Uh, that's kind of what we're looking at. So, you know, I think the Yankees rotation will survive without him. You know, they have guys like Clark Schmidt, who looked interesting last year. Domingo Herman will do all right. Um, they also have, uh, who else do they put on the on the IL? Um, oh, Frankie Montas. Yes. Yeah, yes. that one is, I, I'm less optimistic about that one. But Rodon, I think, will be fine yeah. uh, in the end. Yeah, so uh, in, in a NewJersey.com article uh, said that, um, it had it had some good quotes from uh, Rodon, and um, it said that he's going to be on like a six week uh, simulating a six week spring training post injury. He had a he had a period of time where he couldn't throw at all, and uh, he'll be back. He's throwing weighted balls, and um, I think it was seven to ten days they didn't want him to throw. Yeah, and uh, a quote from him was basically saying they're protecting me. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it sucks that. We're not going to be able to see, you know, that the Yankees aren't going to be able to see him in, in pinstripes to start the year. Um, he's someone that's only qualified, only had a qualified season twice. Uh, one of them was last year. One of them was last year. Um, so his injury history is, it has been brought up, and I think the Yankees knew what they were signing up for. But, uh, but yeah, it's probably why they're being a little bit extra protective. That's also probably why he didn't get as much as he probably could have. Very true. Yeah, a guy who... Led the league in strikeout rate and FIP. You would have thought at, at the age of twenty nine, you would have thought got would have gotten like a two hundred million dollar contract. But yeah, um, yeah, it doesn't doesn't have the didn't even really come close. Doesn't have a great track record on uh, with health wise. Um, but yeah, he's an exciting pitcher, and it sucks that it still sucks that the Yankees have him. We're Red Sox fans, if you didn't know. Yeah. Um, but we will be getting into the Red Sox. Good segue there. Mm-hmm. I have to point it out myself. We will be getting into the Red Sox with our AL East players to watch. Also going over addition, subtractions, and questions we have for the, the other person. Um, so, yeah. Uh, anything anything you want to get to before we get to this preview? No, I'm ready to get into it. One last time. Yeah, one last time. A uh, lot less research in the next coming weeks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So... Uh, we'll, we will start, we go from bottom to top, and we'll start with the Red Sox, who, despite a 78-84 and record, uh, did finish last in the AL East. The division was pretty good. I will give, uh, I'll give them that. Uh, the Red Sox, they lost Xander Bogarts, Nathan Eovaldi, J.D. Martinez, Michael Walker, Tommy Pham, Matt Strom, Rich Hill, Matt Barnes, Eric Hosmer, Franchi Cordero, and Tyler Danish. They added Masataki Yoshida, Kenley Jansen, Justin Turner, Corey Kluber, Adam Duvall, Chris Martin, Richard Blyer, Joely Rodriguez, and Adalberto Mondesi. Who is your player to watch from our hometown team? I know this is weird because this guy did just get a close to nine-figure contract this offseason, but I am looking at Masataka Yoshida. Mm. Um, he will be getting his first major league experience, and uh, he's been pretty much a staple in Japan. You know, we it's hard to tell how guys that come over from foreign countries. Uh, especially from you know from the eastern hemisphere will perform, uh, but Yoshida has an OPS above 900 in each season since 2017, and he slashed 336, 449, 559, 1007 last year. Given his past six years, this guy is about as safe a bet as you can get. 
Yeah. Uh, especially on offense, where you know the Japan game is more based on pitching. Yes. Yeah. Um, all Fangraph's projection models have his weighted runs created plus being between 124 and 139 in 2023. And the thing about those models is that they project your 50th percentile projections. So, like, if he, you know, he could perform above that and get a 140 or 150, but they have him baseline at 123 to 139. And I think a lot of Red Sox fans would be happy with him being there. Uh, the models also had him with excellent walk-to-strikeout numbers. It's very possible that he walks more than he strikes out, uh, which would be excellent, especially on the Red Sox, a team that has kind of lacked walk rate over the last few seasons, a team that swings at a lot of pitches. Uh, during the World Baseball Classic, he is slashing 400, 522, 667, 1189. Uh, he, is, he is tied for the most RBIs in the tournament, and he also has the most plate appearances among, among all players in the WBC at any pool that have struck out zero times. 15 at-bats, zero strikeouts, not a, not a one. And I think the most important thing about Yoshida and why I have him as my, my uh, player to watch is that he has a real opportunity on the Red Sox to change the entire narrative around this team because there's a lot of negative feedback having lost Xander Bogarts, not looking like a World Series contender this year, a last-place finish last year, the third year into Heimblum's tenure. And Masataka Yoshida has a real chance to change that entire narrative alone. Probably a better chance than any individual person on this team. Yeah, yeah. It, very much so, especially he's should be already prominent in the lineup and you know, I'll admit, as a Red Sox fan, this is like the least optimistic I've been about a Red Sox lineup since maybe Ortiz left. Yeah. Because, um, you know, losing Bogarts and also Story being out for a good amount of time um, and also losing J.D. Martinez, you know, it doesn't inspire a lot. However, you know, Yoshida was kind of a sneaky bat on the market, and there's a lot, a lot in question because he's never played at the major league level. But, yeah, he could... Um, he could stand out as a good sign um, if he does perform, you know, near that Japanese uh, ability. And yes. you did mention that, uh, you know, the Japanese league is very based on pitching. The league OPS for the Japanese league was 668 last year. It's really bad. Yeah, it's if very, you thought offense was bad in America, yeah, that's the, very low. The MLB OPS was, I believe, 708. So yes. it's, it was 40 points ahead of Japan in a down year for the MLB. Because uh, I think MLB's league-wide OPS was like 727 or 728 in 2021. That's like, that's like where it should be. Which is where, about average, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's Masataki Yoshida. Um, my player to watch is kind of more just letting letting people know he's out there because I think with the Xander Bogarts, uh, Xander Bogarts leaving and with uh, Trevor Story being out, you can look at the middle infield situation as... Like, like god-awful. However, I think this guy is... He's hes not at their level, but he's not too far from it. I'm talking about Christian Arroyo. Um, so, despite Bogart's leaving the story being hurt, they're still at a de- the Red Sox are still at a decent position at second base. He's not a superstar, but he's still pretty good. Last year, he hit 286 with a 736 OPS and a 103 OPS plus with slightly better expected numbers. Um... Also, if you look at his baseball savant, you might be alarmed by him being 10th percentile in outs above average, but that negative defense was from the Red Sox trying him out in right field, which is not a position for him. He's an infielder, uh, and he's been neutral at second base for uh, his entire career um, uh, defensively. Also with Christian Arroyo, he made some improvements to his offensive game, 
From 2021 to 2022, his average exit velocity went from 86.3 miles per hour to 88.8 miles per hour, and his hard hit rate went from 35.5% to 41.8%. Also, uh, a very good sign was his strikeout rate went from 24% to 16%. His whiff rate also went from 26.5% to 20.5%. His zone contact rate went from 82.1% to 90.1%. He's 90% of the time he swings at a ball in the zone, it's uh, going to be made contact with. Um, also, Arroyo in 2022 had a 27.7% line drive rate, which is a couple percentage points above average. Um, Arroyo, out of 334 hitters to swing at 300 plus pitches in the strike zone, Arroyo's zone ca- contact percentage uh, ranked 23rd, which is top 7% among those 334 hitters. Um, and last thing I'll say about Arroyo is he is projected 1.4 F war in 81 games. Um, and if he kept that pace for 116 games, uh, he'd be a two win player, um, which is, you know, a good position to be at, uh, for a guy who was never, was not a projected starter before Trevor Story got hurt. Um, so, or before, you know, Bogart's left and Story got hurt. So, uh, yeah, that leads into uh, into questions about the Red Sox. Yeah, so my question, uh, who gets more Rookie of the Year votes, assuming one of them gets at least one? Tristan Casas or Masahiro, Masataka Yoshida? That's a good question. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think I think both are in, both have a lot of questions surrounding them, uh, but both have somewhat similar style of, uh, you know, very patient hitters who... Mm-hmm. Uh, I think like to see a lot of pitches. Um, I'll say I'll say Yoshida because he has more experience at the professional level, even if it's not at MLB. Yeah. Um, but Casas, I think Casas has a higher ceiling in his career, but Yoshida, I think, is better at, at a better right place now. now. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's what I will say. Uh, my question it kind of revolves around. A guy who's been there um, a few years and maybe has a little more upside than we've seen um, from him. And then, you know, Masataki Yoshida, who has some question marks around him. Who will accumulate more war? I think you've probably already answered this. Alex Verdugo or Masataki Yoshida? I'm all in on Yoshida. Yeah, I don't... Verdugo, I need to see him hitting less ground balls, man. I really need to see it. Um is the I mean Yoshida's defense is probably going to weigh him down a decent amount. Yeah. Verdugo's base running is sometimes good, sometimes not good. Uh, you know he's a guy that's never afraid to take extra bases, so I don't know how that's going to affect his BSR. That's obviously a component in F four. I'll take Yoshida though. Sounds I need, good. I need to see more from Verdugo on offense. Yeah, Verdugo, <clears throat> he had a good twenty twenty. Um, unlike most of us, <laughs> sorry. Uh, he. Had a down twenty, like it gets him every time. Had had a, had like an average twenty twenty one, and was not on the up swing in twenty twenty two. But he still, I think, had what heading into his age twenty seven or twenty eight season. Yeah. Um. So it's kind of like we're waiting for him to kind of break out or like be potentially an all star. All right. Now we move on to the Baltimore Orioles, who all surprised us. Who surprised us all last year? Um, they went 83 and 79 and finished fourth in the AL East. 
after uh, being tied for the worst record in Major League Baseball. Um, I went through their subtractions, and the only one I could really find that was of any significance was Jordan Lyles. Uh, and they added uh, Cole Irvin, Adam Frazier, Kyle Gibson, Franchi Cordero, uh, Nomar Mazzara, and James McCann. And with the Orioles, I will start with my player to watch, who uh, is Kyle Stowers. Um, he is a 25-year-old outfielder who had 98 plate appearances last year and still qualifies as a rookie for this year. Um, you know, there's plenty of plenty of young studs to look out for with the Orioles, but this guy's a little more under the radar than usual. Um, so Stowers has a high strikeout rate, low walk rate, which is not great. However, his batted ball pro profile is spectacular. Um, he had a 418 slugging percentage and a 447 expected slugging percentage and he also had a 38.7 percent sweet spot rate which is 5.7 percentage points above average and a 32.3 percent line drive rate which is over seven percent above average uh his average exit velocity was 91.1 miles per hour 91.1 miles per hour yeah. uh his hard hit rate was 50 percent was 50.0 percent and his barrel rate was 11.7 percent 11.3%, I oh. put. I, or, did I have it wrong? Uh, please hold. Um, but yeah, I, I'm assuming we have the same guy here with Kyle Stowers. Um, <clears throat> but with Stowers, you know, high strikeout rate, low walk rate. It is 11.3, I had it wrong. Yeah, with Stowers, it's a high strikeout rate, low walk rates, but when he hits the ball, it's very good. So his expected by an average when he made contact, also known as his expected bacon, <laughs> batting average on contact, his expected by an average on contact was 391, and out of 497 hitters with 50-plus batted balls, his expected by an average on contact was eighth highest out of 497. That's top 2%. Some of the names above him were Aaron Judge and Jordan Alvarez, as well as other players to watch that we've noted, such as Nolan Jones. J.D. Davis and Brian De La Cruz. So, you know, if, if at, like, when he hits the ball, he's expected to uh, reach base a lot of the time. And he was also shifted against 88.8% of the time last year, and that will be gone this year. Uh, so look out for that. He'll have a little, he'll be able to, you know, probably find some holes a lot easier than he did, uh, than he did last year. So, uh, Daniel, who's your player to watch? My player to watch is Cole Irvin. I just knew, no, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> I had, I had Kyle Stowers as well. Um, a lot of what you said, I already have, uh, in 62 batted balls last year, he had an average exit velocity of 91.1 miles per hour, a hard hit rate of 50.0%, a sweet spot percentage of 38.7%, and a barrel rate, my, I stand corrected, of 11.3%. That's correct. 58.1% of his batted balls were fly balls or line drives, nearly identical to that of Moogie Betts. So, wow. I mean, if we're, if we're looking in similarities to batted ball profile, that's legitimately a good comparison to make, Kyle Stowers to Moogie Betts. Of course, the one thing that he needs to improve on is both his contact and his swing decisions. Um, his chase rate was, was 6% above average last year, and his chase contact rate was 20% below average. His chase contact rate last year was 38%, the league average of 58%. So, you know, he definitely needs to work on knowing when to swing and when he does swing, hitting the ball. Um, I really didn't have too much else other than what you had. So, yeah, I also am looking at Kyle Stowers on the Orioles. 
yeah, so, you know, we had the same person, so I figure I'll give a shout-out to the other person I considered okay. uh, for player to watch, which is Grayson. Grayson. Grayrod. Grayrod. Grayson Rodriguez. Um, so, obviously can't go too in-depth to him. Also, he's a huge... He's mostly been a minor leaguer. He's also like was like the number two prospect last year. Yeah, he's uh, he's MLB.com's number seven prospect in baseball. Um, career in the minors uh, in 292 innings pitched, 12.9 strikeouts per nine, 3.0 walks per nine. Uh, last year specifically in the minors, uh, 13 strikeouts per nine in 75 and two thirds innings his, pitched. Uh, what was his home run per nine? Uh, 0.2. He allowed, oh my goodness. He allowed two home runs in uh, in 75 and two-thirds innings wow. in the minors last year. And he's going to be in Baltimore? Yeah. That's pretty nice. He's going to be in Baltimore. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the the only concern you might have is health because he uh, he's run into some injury trouble. It's, like, probably the only reason he didn't pitch last year in the majors. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he's only 23 years old. Uh, I'm sure the... Orioles are kind of tr- trying to be careful on him, so I don't know if I'd expect a lot of innings at the major league level this year. Um, but he's someone to look out for if the Orioles do go on a playoff run and they want to add some pitching. They might go uh, internally and have Grayson Rodriguez get some more innings at the MLB level. Um, so yeah, he's a he's another guy to look out for. He was my other guy I was considering, but Stowers, you know, already having some MLB experience and also some Statcast data. Yes, figured I'd go into him. Um, and, uh, all right. So now on to questions. Um, my question is, uh, so for context, Adley Rutschman had 49 extra base hits in 2022. Will Gunnar Henderson get to that many extra base hits in 2023? Uh, I'm assuming he's going to be called up a lot sooner than Adley did because Adley was hurt to begin last year. Yeah. Um, it really wouldn't surprise me if Gunnar Henderson does not start the year on the opening day roster because uh, the Orioles are a, a franchise notorious for taking advantage of the service time manipulation. I'll, I'll, I'll go with it, though. I think he can get to 49 yeah. uh, or above. Yeah, I'll say yes on that. My question is sort of similar. It's about Adley Rutschman. Uh, Adley Rutschman had 5.2 B-War last year in 113 games. The most B-War that a catcher has ever produced in their first two seasons uh, was Russell Martin at 7.6. Now, of course, Adley is only 2.4 away from tying that, 2.5 away from breaking that. Will he be there by the All-Star break? Um, Will he be at 2.4 slash 2.5 oh, by the yeah. All-Star break? Oh, um, so yeah, that's also a little more than half a season. Um, and yes, yeah, and he had 5.2 B-War. Mm-hmm. You mentioned, yeah, which is interesting because they don't even me- measure framing necessarily. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'd say yes. I think he gets to that point. Yeah. Um, Gonna make history. He's proven to be um, really, really good very early, and yeah. Uh, if that doesn't tell you everything you need to know about Adley, I don't know what will. Yeah. Because like, let's let's break that down for a second. No catcher in baseball history going back to 1871, including Negro Leagues has never produced more than 7.6 F4 in their first two seasons combined. Adley has played about 75% of one season, and he's on pace to shatter that. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, just like how, like, it's, it reminds you that it is kind of rare to see a guy break out that soon. If he, like, he could very easily be the first catcher to have 10 F, 10 B war. 
in their first two seasons. Yeah, very true. He would need to produce. He's already halfway there by a wide margin. Yeah, yeah, pretty wild, pretty wild. And there's nothing to suggest he's due to regress at all. No, nothing really. He's, he's already good at everything. Yeah, except for like maybe a little more power would be nice. But he's also in Baltimore. So true. Yeah, granted, um, only when he's facing lefties, but true. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's what we got on the Orioles. Um, some Adley Rutschman questions and whatnot. Yeah. They'll be an interesting team to watch uh, this year. Uh, now we get into the Tampa Bay Rays, who went 86 and 76 last year, finished third in the AL East, got the number six seed in the AL playoffs, and lost to the Guardians in the wild card round. Um, in the offseason, they lost Corey Kluber, G Man Choi, Kevin Kiermeyer, Brooks Raley. Ryan Yarbrough, David Peralta, Mike Zanino, and J.P. Fireisen. Uh, and the Rays in the offseason added Zach Eflin, Charlie Culberson, and Ben Gamel. Uh, who are you watching on this Rays team? There are a lot of people to go for on the Rays because they're notorious for just having guys break out out of nowhere. My guy for this year is Jonathan Aranda, who is a second baseman, a middle infielder, a utility infielder, if you will. Jonathan Aranda, in I believe 89 plate appearances last year or something around there, had a soft fastballs and a 62% clip. That is well above the league average, 7% above the league average, in fact, in 2022. And on this, normally when you see a guy that faced one particular pitch type a lot, it's pretty inferred that they didn't do well against them. And on the surface, his numbers did not look good against fastballs, but it did appear that he was unlucky. So against fastballs, he had a 67-point difference between batting average and expected batting average, a 127-point difference between slugging and ex-slugging, and a 69-point difference between WOBA and ex-WOBA. All three of these ranked in the top 12 unluckiest among the 502 hitters with at least 300 total pitches seen throughout last year. So he got a healthy dose of fastballs, and he should have done better on them. In fact, I believe his uh, his BABIP, Last season was like below below 200 or something like that. Mm. I don't think it was below 200, but it was definitely low. I think it was like 230, 240. Um, so, like I was saying, uh, Aranda has a 50... Or sorry, where did I leave off? Here we go. Like Stowers, uh, he had an average exit velocity last year of 91.1 miles per hour, the exact same. Uh, however, he did have a 54.5% ground ball rate. Aranda has 16th percentile sprint speed, which isn't ideal for a guy hitting ground balls, but... Uh, he did have a 200 BABIP against ground balls, which was 41 points below league average, and he was shifted against in 44.2% of his plate appearances that will be gone. Uh, it's reasonable to infer that he will be better without the shift because his WOBA without the shift last year was 293. His WOBA with the shift was 227, so that's a significant difference. And also, since 2021, he has a 152 weighted runs created plus in 876 minor league plate appearances. That ranked 34th among the 2,287 qualifying minor leaguers over that two-year span. So Jonathan Aranda, I think, is a breakout candidate for the Rays. It is a little hard to see where he fits on this roster right now, but if he plays well enough, they'll he'll find a way. Yeah, yeah. Is he um, infielder or outfielder? Infielder. Infielder. Yeah, shout out to Jonathan Aranda. Um, yeah, <clears throat> uh, my player to watch is a little bit, definitely a lot more on people's radars, especially after last year, but, um, I think probably not enough. I think it was just weird, 
especially for Red Sox fans, it was weird to see this guy just like break out because mm-hmm. <laughs> he was treacherous for the Red Sox in the <laughs> in the very forgettable or unforgettable in some ways twenty twenty season. Uh, but Jeffrey Springs. I was gonna go with him if I didn't go for Aranda, so I'm glad you got with him. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you didn't go for him as well. Uh, <laughs> glad you got Aranda. Yeah. Um, because I was not that was not a guy on my radar <laughs> for because I wasn't looking that deep. But uh, Springs started for the first time since 2018 last year. It had been four years since he started a major league baseball game, uh, and he ended up throwing 135 innings and a 135 and a third innings. With a 2.46 ERA, 3.04 FIP, and 3.27 expected ERA, out of 90 pitchers with 130 or more innings pitched last year, his ERA ranked 10th. He was, Springs was between Nestor Cortez and Max Fried on that uh, ERA <laughs> list. So you know, two two guys who got Cy Young votes. It's just Springs didn't have the innings. Uh, so along with a strikeout minus walk rate of 19.6% last year. Springs had an average exit velocity in the 73rd percentile and a barrel rate in the 75th percentile. So Springs' four-seamer averages 91.4 miles per hour for only 22nd percentile in baseball, but it does not stop him from getting swings and misses on it. Uh, So he uses it 40.4% of the time for his most used pitch, for his most used pitch, and uh, he has a 26.5% whiff rate against it. Uh, 22 pitchers had 250 or more swings against four-seamers that were 92 miles per hour or lower. Did you get all that? 22 pitchers, 250 or more swings on four-seamers, 92 miles per hour or lower. And Springs had the highest whiff rate on such pitches. Uh, So along with that, along with the slow fastball that got a lot of swings and misses, he also used his changeup 34.7% of the time, and hitters slugged 320 against it, and uh, only had a 279 expected slugging against that changeup. And out of 26 pitches to throw 500-plus changeups last year, his, expe- his, his expected slugging on them ranked fifth. Uh, that was behind Devin Williams, Sandy Alcantara, Shane McClanahan, and Tyler Anderson, all of which were All-Stars last year. And uh, also out of 103 pitchers to throw 2,000-plus pitches last year, his percentage of pitches that were in the shadow attack zone, mm-hmm. which were the edges of the edges of the strike zone, uh, he was 13th out of 103. You know, around near top 10% uh, there. So, you know, the the shadow attack zones I learned from Daniel in the playoffs yes. last year are basically just the edges of the strike zone, um, where you're making the ball very uh, hard to hit, or very hard to hit hard. Um, Jeffrey Springs was uh, top, you know, 12, 13% in that uh, out of 103 pitchers. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, Jeffrey Springs. He throws a fastball, that a slow fastball that a lot of people swing and miss at and uh, has a very good changeup as well. Yes. All right, uh, now uh, question time. So my question, who will rank higher in F4 at their respective position, Shane McClanahan or Pete Fairbanks? Ooh, so who will... I'm, they're I'm, starting ace or they're relief ace? Yeah, that's a good question because Fairbanks had this crazy strikeout rate and walk rate, um, but also McClanahan did. Uh, yeah, he was very good and he had a bad um, home run to fly ball ratio, um, which yeah, I, you know, not not that I go off xFIP and whatnot too often, but 
maybe a little something to consider. That's a very difficult, very difficult question. Um, I'm gonna go McClanahan because I trust him to get the innings. Yeah. Um, Fairbanks was hurt last year. Fairbanks was hurt, and he throws like extremely hard. Not that McClanahan doesn't. Yeah. But it's more just. It's more just kind of luck. I, you know, I wouldn't be su- surprised to see Fairbanks uh, rank higher in reliever F four than McClanahan does in starter F four. But I'm, I, I think I'm a little high in McClanahan, so I'm gonna keep keep riding the McClanahan wave. Yeah, it's a good good pick. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, Mc, what what Fairbanks did last year should be heavily considered. Um, so my question for you is, uh, will Brandon Lau? Have over or under a 799.5 OPS this year. 799.5. He's coming back. Well, he was very good in parts of. I mean, he was the 2020 first half MVP. Yep. Um, which basically means player of the month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one time. Um, he is coming off of an injury riddled season in which he also kind of struggled, but that could have been due to injury. Uh, he was at 863 in 2021. 799.5, huh? Um, well, it doesn't. that doesn't have anything to do with plate appearance amount or anything. Um, no. I will... I feel like I've been very optimistic on a lot of these guys. I'm still going to take the over, though. All right. In these All questions. Right. Brandon Lau, over 800 OPS or above. Um, yeah. All right. So uh, now we move on to the Blue Jays. Um Last year they went 92 and 70, and finished second in the AL East. They got the number four seed in the AL playoffs and lost to the Mariners in the wild card round. Over the offseason, they lost Teoscar Hernandez, Ross Stripling, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Rymel Tapia, Gabriel Moreno, Bradley Zimmer, and Jackie Bradley Jr. And uh, they added Dalton Varshow or Dalton Varshow. Uh, Chris Bassett, Eric Swanson, Kevin Kiermeyer, Brandon Belt, Chad Green, and Drew Hutchison. Love to see that. Uh, so now I will start with my player to watch from the Blue Jays, and that is Yimmy Garcia. Um, I sort of wanted to go... I believe he was my... Uh, believe, no, never mind. Jarlin Garcia was a player yeah. to watch. Yimmy um, Garcia, I'm not necessarily going with him because he's necessarily super dominant but i think he's very interesting and i was gonna go with maybe eric swanson but i felt like that i don't know there's i think garcia is unique in a in a certain way so i went with him uh he's a right-handed reliever who had a 310 era and a a 290 expected era in 61 innings pitch last year uh, along with an 18.5 percent strikeout minus walk rate last year uh, his average exit velocity was in the 89th percentile. Uh, he also had a 12.4% pop-up rate and a 16.0% line drive rate. Out of 309 pitchers with 150-plus batted balls against last year, uh, Garcia's pop-up rate ranks ninth highest, and line drive rate ranks fourth least out of 309. Uh, 18.9% of his batted balls against him were 50 degrees or higher, which was fifth most out of 309. And on those batted balls of 50 degrees or higher, hitters were 0 for 32, again, uh, on those uh, batted balls. You know, the, just mm-hmm. saying that those batted balls, uh, you know, 50 degrees or higher, they're not going to land for hits. Um, also, Garcia, 
used his four-seam fastball 44.4% of the time, and batters hit 127 and slugged 203 against it. Out of 609 pitchers to have 100-plus plate appearances end against a certain pitch, Garcia's uh, run value per 100 yes, sir. on his fastball was third best. And out of 225 pitchers to have 100-plus plate appearances end against a four-seamer, he had the lowest run value uh, per 100 pitches thrown. And his run value per 100 was negative 3.8. And the next best on a four seamer was negative two point nine, so that means that means that he was almost a full run better on for every hundred four seamers he threw than the next best guy on uh, on four seamers. So it, I think it gets a lot of spin, and he, he uses it very well in the top of the strike zone, hence his very high pop up rate, um, and he also gets swings and misses on it. So like. You wouldn't think Yimmy Garcia has the third most effective pitch in baseball, but yeah. he did in 2022. So uh, exactly. shout out to uh, shout out to Garcia. Who is your player to watch from the Blue Jays? My player to watch is so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a little list here. The following is the top ten in weighted runs created plus since July 11th of 2021, a minimum of 300 plate appearances. Aaron Judge, Mike Trout, Paul Goldschmidt, Jordan Alvarez, Bryce Harper, Juan Soto. My player, Freddie Freeman, Jose Altuve, Julio Rodriguez. Who do you think the blank is at number seven in between uh, Juan Soto and Freddie Freeman? Um, yeah, that's a great question. I feel like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. would be too obvious. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I think you highlighted uh, Varsho last year or two years ago, so I don't think you'd repeat. Um, so that leaves us... <laughs> Teoscar Hernandez is gone. Um, just process of elimination. I'm yeah. sorry. I think Bichette would be a little too on the nose. <sighs> Man, I'm, I'm losing it. Uh, uh, I don't know. Alejandro Kirk? Same position, different player. I'm talking about Danny, Danny Jensen. Jensen. Yeah, wow. Who has a 156, I believe, weighted runs created plus over that span. Uh, Jansen is slashing 276, 348, 587 for a 935 OPS since July 11th of 2021. Unfortunately, uh, he hasn't been able to stay on the field. And also, it's kind of weird to figure out where he fits into this Blue Jays lineup. Yeah. Uh, because they're pretty stacked. They have Alejandro Kirk catching. I think they're going to stick with that. Um, so that'll be interesting. But uh, he particularly dominated against sliders. In 69 plate appearances against sliders, his 3.1 run value per 100 ranks 6th among the 296 hitters to have at least 50 plate appearances and on sliders. His 597 slugging ranked 9th, his 386 Woba ranked 12th, and his 20.7% whiff rate ranked 18th. So Danny Jansen uh, is one of the be- was literally been one of the best hitters in baseball since July 11th of 2021. I know it's an arbitrary date, but... Uh, it goes back over 300 plate appearances for him, 322 to be exact. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see where he fits onto this Blue Jays roster. Does he make the opening day lineup? How many at-bats do they give him? Do they trade him? It's going to be a lot to answer. They, I know they did consider trading him this offseason, uh, but we're just going to have to wait and see what they go with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, catcher's catcher is the catcher position is one where you can be a little bit lucrative with. Mm-hmm. Um and having a DH option is always good too, um, 
But, like, I don't know. Who's their projected DH right now? Uh, they have it as Brandon Belt. I, I will take I will take uh, Jandy Jansen over him. Yeah, especially, I imagine, I mean, not that I know, but there's probably a lefty-righty difference, too. Oh, definitely. I would imagine. Yeah, no, I'm sure they'll they'll uh, platoon that. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, he, yeah, the, yeah, over the last, I guess you could say over the last three half seasons, like, since the second half of since the second half started or around there of uh 2021 mm-hmm. he's been like what the eighth best ninth best uh hitter in baseball seventh seventh yeah even better right between Juan Soto and Freddie Freeman um all right so now we get into questions uh regarding the Blue Jays um start with my question so the Blue Jays Kind of underwhelmingly finished eighth in the AL in starter ERA in 2022, uh, with potential bounce backs additions and defensive improvements uh, with Kiermaier. Uh, will they be top five this year? Mm, top five. So they have Manoa, they have Gosman, they have Barrios, who was disappointing last year. They added Bassett, they have Yusei Kikuchi. Uh, as for depth, and they lost Ross Stripling. They did. Uh, Hyunjin Ryu is probably not going to pitch. He had Tommy John no. surgery. It's unfortunate. Um, in the minors, they have like Mitch White. They still have Nate Pearson. Still kind of waiting on him. Yeah. Um. I mean, top five in the AL. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, what the Yankees are projected probably to be above them. I'm presuming the Guardians are probably projected to be above them. The Seattle. Astros, the Mariners. I'm going to say no. I don't think they're top five. I think they're close. Yeah. Um, I think sabermetrically, they are in a very good spot. I know Kevin Gosman has been an advocate of strikeout rate minus walk rate. Yeah. Um, I think sabermetrically, you could argue that they are a top five rotation, but I don't think in starter ERA. True. It is also funny because based on um, peripherally last year, you could just see Gosman and uh, Manoa's ERAs flip. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Uh, Your question. My question, will Vladimir Guerrero Jr. have over or under a 50% ground ball rate? For for reference, he had a 54.6% ground ball rate in 2020, a 45.6% ground ball rate in 2021, the year that he finished second in the MVP voting, and he totally would have won it any other year but Shohei Otani. Yeah. Because uh, he would have won it in 2022. Yes. But, you know, Shohei Otani, 2021. Anyway. Right. Um, and a 52.3% ground ball rate in 2022. Um. Yeah, that's it feels a, like it feels like fifty is kind of the magic number for him. Yeah, it's it's something you want to stay under. Um, and you know, I don't have any inside info on on the Blue Jays and how they're teaching him. However, I imagine they would try to get to him about that, considering he is one of the hardest hitting guys and not re- necessarily a fast player. And you know, when he li- puts it in the air, can easily get it over the fence. I'll say under. All right. You know, maybe it's an every other year thing. Who knows? Yeah. But I maybe it's just me being optimistic for the Blue Jays. Whatever happens, I hope it's at one hundred percent when he plays the Red Sox. Yes. Because it's weird to say I'm optimistic that because you know I want to see a star do well, but not against my team. I don't want I don't want that of to course, happen. Of course. <laughs> um, all right. Now on to the last team uh, of the uh, entire previews of. Uh, of uh of this run this six-week run um 
We're talking about the New York Yankees. It's the Bronx Bombers, baby. They went 99-63 and 63 last year, won the American League East, got the number two seed in the American League playoffs, beat the Guardians in the ALDS, and lost to the Astros in the ALCS. Over the offseason, they lost Jameson Tyon, Andrew Benintendi, Matt Carpenter, Lucas uh, Litke, uh, Earl Chapman, Chad Green, and Miguel Castro. And they added Carlos Rodon and Tyler Danish. Um, who is your player to watch from the Yankees? My player to watch is everyone's favorite 22-year-old. I'm going with Gleyber Torres. I'm, I'm buying <laughs> it on the breakout year from Gleyber Torres, who, is, as a reminder, he is 22 years old. Yeah. It, 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 real ones know. Um, <laughs> between 2021 and 2022, he had the highest rise in average exit velocity, he went from 87.1 miles per hour in exit velocity to 90.4%. And he also had the highest rise in hard hit rate, going from 35.7% in 2021 to 45.3% in 2022. This he led among the 165, 167 qualified batters between each of the two seasons. In 2021, this is what I found the most interesting about him. In 2021, 12.7% of his batted balls were opposite field fly balls. In 2022, 13.2% of his batted balls were such, uh, which meant there was not really a difference. But in 2021, he he hit 143 on those batted balls with a 381 slugging. In 2022, he hit 250 with an 827 slugging, the 12th highest among the 174 hitters with at least 300 batted balls. Why did this happen? Well, he plays for the Yankees, so clearly the short porch obviously has something to do with it, and that's not an exaggeration that probably had a very... Yeah, uh, strong case, but you got to keep in mind that's like you can't. If someone ever tells you exit velocity doesn't doesn't help you out or doesn't win you games or whatever, they're lying. This is direct proof right here. Gleyber Torres hit roughly the same amount of opposite field fly balls. He hit one, you know, one batch in a season with low exit velocity, one in the season with high exit velocity. He did much better in the season with higher exit velocity, yeah. uh, and it proved to be it proved to put him on the resurgence. Uh, especially late last year, he was he was really good, uh, and he's a guy that the Yankees are going to need to step up because I think there are a lot of question marks in that offense outside of just Aaron Judge. Yeah. So Gleyber Torres is my guy to watch. Yeah, I disagree. I don't think uh, any, I don't think hitting the ball harder has anything to do with getting more hits. Yeah. No. Yeah, I don't think so at all. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah, that's, that's bad focal point. Honestly, that's a good that's a good stat, and especially like. Last year was not a year where uh, home runs were a big thing. No. Home runs dropped, and mm-hmm. he was still able to do better on short porch home yes. runs, uh, as you as you noted. And, yeah, him hitting the ball harder with a with a less bouncy baseball, so to say, um, that's a really good sign for the Yankees yes. and Glaber Torres. Um, my player to watch, literally, if you just read his name, just sounds like any – any, pin, fan? any pinstriped Guido exactly in the, the Bleacher Creatures. <laughs> We're talking about Ron Marinaccio, eh? <laughs> this guy. I'm Ron, walking here. I'm walking here. <laughs> Look at this guy. It's Ronnie Marinaccio. He came. He was. He was in. He grew up in Bed Stuy, and now he's pitching for the Yankees. Look at this guy. <laughs> 
Look at this guy. He's, he's got his chain out, and he's he's his average exit velocity last year was eighty four point five miles per hour. This... Can you do this entire bit? In the <laughs> I can try. I got a lot of notes on Ronnie Marinaccio. With Ronnie Marinaccio, he's a twenty seven year old right-hander reliever. He had a two oh five ERA, two seven oh expected ERA, and a thirty point nine percent strikeout rate, and forty four in the third innings pitched. Let me tell you about Marinaccio. He had a 149 batting average and a 156 expected batting average and a 236 slugging and a 238 expected slugging. So even even with the low batting average and slugging percentage, it wasn't far off from his expected numbers, you see. Uh, out of 378 pitches to throw 750-plus pitches last year, his expected batting average was fourth lowest and his expected slugging was third lowest. You know what I mean? And... Uh, Ronnie Marinaccio, you know, this guy, he gets a lot of swings and misses. He had a 33.2% whiff rate last year. And out of 419 pitchers with 300-plus swings against them, his whiff rate was 38th, which is top 10%. That's pretty That's a pretty wild. You don't you don't see that from a guy growing up in Bed-Stuy, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and along, along with a 17.6% strikeout minus walk rate, his average exit velocity against was 84.5 miles per hour, and his and his hard hit rate was was 25.5 percent. Also, his line drive rate was 22 was 20.2 percent. That's like five percent below average, my guy. That's pretty crazy. You don't see that too often these days. You know, it's it just it just doesn't happen. And uh, out of 378 pitches, with uh. At, at a 378 pitches, uh, his average exit velocity was 11th lowest. That's top 3%. Top 3% soft contact, this Ronnie Marinaccio. Uh, and out of uh, 582 pitchers with 50-plus batted balls against them, his hard hit rate was 6th lowest. That's like top 1%, guy. This is crazy. Um, <clears throat> and he had the third low. You know, I mentioned his, his line drive rate is so low and his, his average exit velocity is so low. Out of 582 pitchers, uh, his I'm losing track here. He had the third lowest hard hit line drive rate. Hard hit line drive. That means you know when you hit the ball 95 miles per hour and it's a line drive. That's a hard hit line drive. Uh, he only allowed four of those in 90. Good piece of hitting. Good piece of hitting. You know my guy uh, Derek Jeter used to do that a lot. <laughs> right field and and he did that like 3,000 times. It was pretty crazy. Uh, my guy Derek Jeter. I, I, where uh, I wear his number on my back, uh, at least a hundred days a year. Um, but this Ronnie Marinaccio kid, you got to look out for. Uh, and uh, yeah, out of out of ninety four batted balls he allowed, only four were hard hit line drives. It's four point three percent. League average is around eleven uh, percent. And uh, he had, did I write the stat twice? Okay, <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. He used his four seamer, forty four point three percent of the time, guy. And uh, that's that's a lot of times. And uh, hitters hit 115 and slugged 192 off it. And out of 326 pitchers to throw 250 plus four seamers last year, his slugging was fifth lowest and his batting average against it was second lowest out of 326. That's pretty crazy. And uh, he used his changeup 37.9% of the time. And uh, hitters hit 141 and slugged 211 off of it. Out of 106 pitchers to throw 250 plus changeups. Last year, his slugging against was fifth lowest, and his batting average against was third lowest uh, out of 106. So he's got the great fastball. He's got the great changeup. It's better than my mama's pasta sauce. You know what I'm saying? Ronnie Marinaccio, he's he's a good kid. Good kid, that kid. He, he stays out of trouble, stays off the streets, throws throws baseballs. 
pretty hard, gets a high strikeout rate. Gotta love him. You sound like the smartest person to ever call into Mike <laughs> Francesa's show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm telling you, he only is a 4.3% hard hit line drive rate guy. Yeah, that's, it's funny. I've seen, I've heard that voice plenty of times. Never would I think I'd hear real sabermetrics coming out of it. Yeah, it's hard to maintain. You know what's very funny? He, I, Out of curiosity, I looked up where he's from. Of course, he's from Tom's River, New Jersey. Oh, really? That's where Todd Frazier played on the Little League World Series. He took a picture with Derek <laughs> Jeter in the, in the World Series. <laughs> I, yeah, I just said Bed-Stuy because I, I thought he was from Florida or California. No, I was 100% convinced. Like, if he was not from that area, I was going to like send in a report to Baseball Reference and be yeah. like, you're lying, actually. Yeah, Ron Marinaccio. <laughs> but seriously, this guy, like, uh, this guy here. No, he really, like, uh, over a 30% strikeout rate while allowing, like, the softest contact ever is pretty another, crazy. Another guy that I looked at. I didn't want to. I wanted to limit the number of relievers I went with this year. Yeah. So yeah. Yep. This was a good episode because every guy that I wanted to go for, you went for. That's great. Yeah. I, yeah, I wanted to avoid that, but I ended up going with 10 relievers this year, which, whatever. which is like a third of my guys and relievers. Like oh, yeah. There's multiple yeah, guys on teams. Relievers yeah. and relievers take up about a third of. A team's roster, so I think that's makes sense. that's very fair. proportionate. Yeah, I wanted, I didn't want to take like sixteen relievers, but mm-hmm. you know, if I only had like two or three, that would have been a little off too. Um, <clears throat> not that it really matters, but yeah, uh, yeah, Ron Marinaccio. Like, there's a lot of guys to look out for with the Yankees bullpen with Clay Holmes, Wandy Peralta, and Michael King, who I think is going to be healthy this year to start. They, they stretched him way too much last year. Yeah, it was pretty wild, um, but he. Ended the year injured, but uh, I think he'll start the year on the team. So those are three guys that were, like, really amazing to start the year and, you know, ended up all just having good overall statistics. But Ron Marinaccio is actually, uh, yeah. he, despite <laughs> despite the name, like, he was he was really good last year. Mm-hmm. Um, someone to look out for. Soft contact and strikeout rate. Always good. Um, all right, question time. My question, who will get more innings at shortstop, Oswald Peraza or Anthony Volpe? Um, starts at shortstop. Oswald, more, more innings. Oh, more innings? Yeah, um, like more defensive innings. Defensive innings, Oswald Cabrera or Anthony Volpe? Peraza. Or Oswald. Oswaldo Cabrera is Oswald the Peraza. Oswald Peraza. It's confusing, yeah. Yeah, man. Um, what, what are their ages? Um, Volpe, I think, is going into his age 22 season, and Peraza, I think, 23, but let me check. Because I know Volpe is ranked... Like, number five prospect or something like number that. Number five on overall. MLB.com. Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay, Volpe is going into his age 22 season. Uh, he turns 22 on April 28th of this year. Yeah, um... And then Peraza is going into his age 20 season. He was born on June 15th, 2000. Shout out to my best friend who was also born on that day. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to look at their their field grade on uh, yeah. MLB.com and I'm that might just determine everything. So Oswald Peraza is at well, a 60. Oswald Peraza always, already has the experience. Like He's guaranteed to be on the opening day roster. Volpe. Volpe's at a 50. I'm going to say Peraza. Okay. Because, um, uh, yeah. They have MLB.com has Volpe at a 50 field, Peraza at a 60, and you mentioned that Peraza already has the experience. They might hold Volpe down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Although I know I, he has hit very well in spring training. I was shocked to see also he had 50 stolen bases last year. Yeah, that was pretty wild. You know what? Estoy Ruiz had 85. <laughs> no, the I guy did not that, know the, that the guy that got traded twice last in the last year. Wow. Has stolen, and he also had like a 900 OPS too. Wow. Yeah. I was very thrown off. That guy's way better than I realized. Yeah. Shout out to the A's. They actually got like kind of something from the Sean Murphy deal. Yeah, that's always good. Uh, my question is regarding two starters um, who have each had uh, some some great some highs and lows in their career. Uh, who will have the lower FIP, Garrett Cole or Nestor Cortez? Um, I mean, Garrett Cole had the fifth highest home runs per nine among qualifiers last year. That just doesn't seem like something that can repeat itself. Nestor Cortez uh, started out really good. And then kind of went through a tough stretch and then ended out really good, but he did get hurt last year. I'm going to say Garrett Cole. I mean, you can't. It's I feel weird going against him. He's perennially he's the best strikeout-to-walk guy yeah. uh, in the league. I mean, he'll give you the innings, and he'll give you that. You know, he'll be If he's not leading, he'll be top five for sure. Uh, the home runs are definitely the question there, though. Yeah, that is the question. Yeah, um, yeah I asked that because Cortez had a 3-1-2 FIP last year. Um, Cole, you, even with the home runs, had a three four seven. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, you know Cortez obviously had a big up year, and mm-hmm. Cole had um, relatively know, a down year. Yeah, not yeah, not necessarily like a down year, but but below expectations and below his standard. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, that's uh, that's what we got on the Yankees. That's what we, we got on the AL East. That's what we got on the MLB for yeah. uh, players to watch. That's um, uh, that's all of them. That's all of them. Hope you kept track, all 31-ish guys. From each of us. From each of us. Uh, hope you kept track and kept notes and everything. Um, These guys will all work out. They'll all we be... Have a, we have a 100% hit rate every year. Yes. Which is great. They're all going to work out. None of them are going to start in the minors and stay in the minors the entire year. None of them will have a 7-5 ERA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're referencing uh, Brendan Davis and, and Carlos Hernandez, who were yes. her top flops last year. <laughs> um, yeah, so someone actually uh, someone actually had a tweet on Carlos Hernandez the other day. I think it was Petriello, where he was like, "Yeah, he throws like a million miles an hour, but it's straight as an arrow." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't tend to work out in today's MLB. It doesn't. Um, all right, well that does it for uh, for all that. Um, you know, with all these teams, we don't necessarily do a deep dive on the team as a whole. That's kind of for next week. We, yeah. you know, it is a predictions episode, but we all give a certain reasoning of where we stand on each team. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where you get to know where, what we think about what each team has done over the offseason and where we project them. Yeah, we're doing standings projections, award projections. I'm going to create a couple of custom questions. Yep. Uh, and, and obviously, and we'll get into the playoff bracket in the World Series, but oh, yeah, you know, the, those Facts. that's that takes a lot less um, preparation than like the standings and whatnot. That's just kind of like, oh, who in my hypothetical world, who is hot at the right time? Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, last year, last year, I had the, you, you had the Blue Jays over the Dodgers. I had the Dodgers <laughs> over the Blue Jays. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. That that one didn't work out. Yeah. Uh, just but, just look at our 2020 World Series projections in July, honestly. But like, you know what, to be fair, both teams both teams did well last year. Yeah. 
And both teams probably should have gotten farther than they ended up going. I did. Uh, I believe I had Braves over White Sox in 2021. You did, yeah. You yeah. predicted the Braves. So I did have. I did predict the winner. Uh, but last year I had Blue Jays Dodgers, and that did not work out. So you've picked um, preseason. You picked the World Series winner twice, I believe. I think you picked the Dodgers in 2020. No, I picked the Rays in 2020. Well, I think I think you picked them pre-series. You picked the Rays. Um, no, I, I'm pretty sure I had them in the world. I'm pretty sure I'm winning the World Series too. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I definitely wouldn't have changed it. I would like if I had it in July, I would have had it in October. I'm gonna go back. And, okay, and I'm pretty sure I had the Rays though. Yeah, we'll see about it. But mm-hmm. you've at least predicted one. I think I yeah. In in the history of predictions with the show, I've had uh, Rays. Um, I think Dodgers and Dodgers. Yeah. Because <laughs> the Dodgers are just like, it's hard not to pick them. Um, it is. It's hard not to pick them, but they're making it less hard. Can you each. imagine last year being like, yeah, I got Phillies over Braves and Padres over Dodgers in <laughs> April? <laughs> you, you can't do that. Yeah, hear me out. So the Phillies are going to fire Joe Girardi. <laughs> yeah, and then Joe. they're going to get a lot hotter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and. And then, you know... And they're going to trade for Brandon Marsh. Yeah. <laughs> now, the meanwhile, Padres. the Padres are going to head into the... into the 2020- They're going to trade for Juan Soto, right? They're going to trade for Juan Soto. <laughs> However, Juan Soto's not really going to do well with them in the two months that he's there. Uh, for but, that. like, Brandon Drury, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brandon Drury, though. And they're going to, like... In the two months leading up to the playoffs, they're going to be about 500, but then they're just going to get really hot in October for yeah. no reason at all. <laughs> <laughs> but then they're going to lose to the Phillies. Please, yeah. <laughs> Bryce Harper's going to have his moments, but then he is going to tear his UCL, which and, is going to suck. And jo- Josh Hader will be there. Yeah, Josh Hader's going to close it out. <laughs> he's going to say, hear me out, he's going to strike out Betts, Turner, and Freeman <laughs> in the ninth <laughs> as, it, as it goes, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the guard, the Guardians will be there too. Yeah, they'll they'll be up two one in the Yankees, but then lose. Yeah, they'll lose. Hey, come on, the Astros will sweep the Yankees though. Yeah, <laughs> nothing will change there. Nothing will change. <laughs> All right, well, that's what you have look to look forward to next week. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this edition. If you wanna uh, listen listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, if you're on the YouTube stream right now and just want to listen without having to. Um, be on the YouTube app and whatnot. Go to the Apple Podcasts and Spotify streams. They are just called Above Replacement Radio. Same thing with the YouTube channel. If you're on the other end of that, uh, go to um, <clears throat> go to the YouTube channel. Check out the shorts. Um, some of the players to watch uh, that we have are you know that's in a condensed version on some of the shorts. We have uh, Nolan Jones and Rowdy Tillas up there right now. And I think we got to put Marinaccio as the next one. Yeah, it, <laughs> I hope people would get it. But yeah, he just sounds just, like a just, guy yes. in the in the bleachers. You can include that clip where he said he sounds like a Yankee fan. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, check out that. Check out our social medias. I'm at Chris underscore Gianta on Twitter and uh, at Chris Gianta on Instagram. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Kern and follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all the show needs. And we hope to see you next week where we will be doing our season predictions. Uh, We will see you then.